WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Friday, October 20th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Rain, thunderstorms possible today. The high 66 uh, Saturday clouds and rain to start the day then a cloud-filled afternoon the high 64 and then sunday i guess is the best day of the weekend more clouds than sun but the high is going to be just 57 and if i look at the temps going forward we're not seeing much more of those 60s but you know it is fall if you are walking out the door with us right now 55 cloudy in pleasantville up in westchester county 53 and cloudy in Frenchtown in New Jersey. And I picked Frenchtown because someone reached out to me and they said, how come you never mentioned Frenchtown when you're doing the forecast? So there you go. It is 53 in Frenchtown in New Jersey. And it is 59 and partly cloudy here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning. Of course, we'll start last night. The president giving a primetime speech about building support and handing over bills. Billions of dollars for wars in Israel and Ukraine gave this speech from the Oval Office last night. So I caution the government of Israel not to be blinded by rage. And here in America, let us not forget who we are. We reject all forms all forms of hate. It was a rare primetime address for the president. He argued support for the two nations, Ukraine and Israel, is key to national security as he prepares to ask for congressional aid. You know, history has taught us that when terrorists don't pay a price for their terror, when dictators don't pay a price for their aggression, they cause more chaos and death and more destruction. Okay, when it comes to the Middle East, the president last night saying he still believes in a two-state solution. As I said in Israel, as hard as it is, we cannot give up on peace. We cannot give up on a two-state solution. So much of the talk, of course, since that Hamas attack almost two weeks ago are the hostages that were taken. The Israelis now say the number is around 200. Here was the president last night. As I told the families of Americans being held captive by Hamas, we're pursuing every avenue to bring their loved ones home. As president... There is no higher priority for me than the safety of American held hostage. And the president claims, and he's pushing the theory, that moves we make today will make a difference for decades to come. We're facing an inflection point in history. One of those moments where the decisions we make today are going to determine the future for decades to come. Or in a moment, we'll get some reaction to that speech. That is, we're hearing more about some of the hostages that are being held. One of them, a 19-year-old Itai Hen, who's believed to be a, one of a number of dual American-Israeli citizens being held hostage by Hamas militants in Gaza. Hen uh, was believed to have been taken as he was guarding an army post on the day Hamas terrorists crossed the border into Israel. His his father, Ruby, who is from Brooklyn, is in Israel, hoping for news that his 19-year-old basketball-loving son is still alive and will be rescued. Ty is a kid that has always been giving and giving and giving to the community. He is a very avid NBA basketball fan, like his dad, suffering 
New York Knicks fan. Yeah, Ruby met this week with both President Biden when he was there and with Governor Hochul, hoping pressure from them and the world will be enough to bring his son back home. Last night, a massive rally, Times Square, where people called for the release of the hostages held by Hamas. A sea of people packing 7th Avenue and Broadway with, with Israeli flags draped around their bodies, demanding Hamas release those hostages right away. Suffering unimaginable agony every moment. And we are here to demand the release of those hostages, as well as to stand for Israel's inalienable right to defend itself decisively. Senator Schumer spoke before this crowd last night. In every generation, they have risen to afflict us. And the evil, vicious, vile Hamas has done it now. But we know, in every generation, we fight back until we win. And it does kind of feel like the world is on fire, right? The uh, State Department warning now Americans abroad to exercise what they call increased caution. Due to increased tensions in various locations around the world. That spokesman, uh, Matt Miller. The Department of State advises U.S. citizens overseas to ex- uh, exercise increased caution. I think I just said that. The potential for terrorist attacks, demonstrations, or violent actions against U.S. citizens and interests. Yeah, okay. Let's get some reaction to all of this from an excellent reporter who's been covering the Mideast mess for us from Israel. He's in Jerusalem today. Alex Trayman, CEO, Jerusalem Bureau, Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate. You can find it at JNS.org. He joins us on our Newsmaker line. Good morning, Alex. Do we have Alex? Hey, good morning, Alex. How are you? Good morning, Norm. Thanks again, of course, for joining us. Uh, give us the latest over the last 24 hours. Uh, does there continue to be rocket fire from uh, Gaza into Israel? And what is the kind of uh, rocket fire we're seeing back from Israel into Gaza? Yeah, there's definitely continued rocket fire. Even this morning, um, they were targeting uh, the Israeli town of Steyrot, which has been hit very heavily uh, in the last uh, 10, 11 days by Hamas rockets. Uh, the IDF has hit over 100 targets overnight and uh, reported that it killed one of the, the terrorists, maybe one of the commanders that was involved in the last Saturday attack uh, on Israel. And also the northern border continues to heat up uh, with continued fire on both sides, both from Hezbollah at Israeli positions, and the IDF is also taking increased uh, actions to hit on the Lebanese side of the border, uh, killing at least one operative over there. So it's starting to get a little crazy on the Lebanese border as well? Well, it's been crazy on the border. It's 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 in, been an unacceptable level of violence for close to 10 days already, but the feeling that the Biden administration is pushing Israel hard not to be the party that opens up that front into into full-fledged conflict. WABC News Time 509 on our newsmaker line, Alex Trayman, CEO, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of Jewish News Syndicate. You can find their website, jns.org. So uh, I imagine if uh, President Biden were to run for prime minister of Israel today, he might actually have a shot. I know that uh, people there were pretty excited by his visit. In fact, read some story this morning. They're going to name a subway station after him. What's the feeling after his uh, speech last night? Do you getting reaction from Israelis about his Oval Office speech? Well, Israelis uh, definitely appreciate what looks to be overwhelming support uh, from the Biden administration. Uh, There are some concerns that uh, President Biden continues to 
uh, talk about uh, Palestinian statehood uh, and potentially being a result of this conflict. Uh, you know, if anything, a lot of Israelis think that, you know, that the paradigm has shifted with regarding the land for peace formula, that they don't believe that uh, neither Hamas nor the Palestinian Authority can be trusted. Remember, the Palestinian Authority lost control of Gaza in 2007, just two years after gaining control of Gaza when Israel pulled out of the territory in 2005. The Palestinian Authority continues to pay for the murder of Jews. They pay the prisoners sitting in Israeli prisons, the stipends. They pay families of those that were killed uh, while committing acts of first-degree murder against Jews. That's called their martyr fund. That's a pay-for-slay uh, policy. So, you know, the fact that the Biden administration at this time continues to talk about Palestinian statehood and Palestinian rights uh, while Israelis feel like they're under attack and, and need complete support, while the support is appreciated, there there is a little tinge that there there might be, you know, some continued of a failed policy. Let's talk about the hostages. The Jerusalem report, at least as of last night, was trumpeting this headline on their website that 30 of the 200 hostages uh, may be children. Is that correct? We have confirmation from the IDF or from the Israelis that that might be true. I definitely believe that there are children that were taken hostages. We'd seen videos early on of uh, a boy who looked to have been maybe two and a half or three years old being taunted by Arab children inside the, the Gaza Strip. Uh, so we, we know that there are children that were taken hostage, not just children, also elderly, Holocaust survivors, people in wheelchairs, people that need daily medication uh, to live. Uh, we're all taken in, into the strip, but we're, we're not getting too much uh, too much information specifically about who all the hostages are and, and and what their conditions are. Are we able to connect the dots? Are these children of people who might have been killed? Because we've seen a lot of pictures of from the families who have loved ones in uh, that they believe are being held hostage, but haven't seen many pictures of kids. Now, maybe that's on purpose. Or is there more to the story? I just don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean. You're you're right that uh, when Hamas came in, they were they were shooting and taking taking hostages, shooting and taking hostages. Stories of of Hamas and videos of them shooting uh, kids in front of their parents and also shooting parents in front of their kids. So yes, there's definitely uh, cases where where parents may have been shot dead and children taken hostage. And here we are; it's uh, two weeks after those brutal savage attacks. And we still have a list of people that are missing. Is there an assumption that we just haven't been able, the Israelis haven't been able to ID all of the people who were killed? Is that the issue? Right. There's there's many, many people missing. And it's it's shocking to see how many people are, are unaccounted for after after two weeks of trying to, to figure out who had died, uh, you know, picking up the basically dead bodies all throughout the southern southern Gaza envelope. Uh, but uh, you know, it, the, the number of, of known hostages continues to rise slowly. Right now, the IDF is saying that it's, it's over 200 uh, people. And I, I do believe that even as time goes on, we may find out that the number is even higher. And I'm guessing some of that is just not showing their hand of how much information the Israelis know. Uh, they're giving us real few details. I know they the Prime Minister Netanyahu has met with some of these families, and maybe he's given them more information, but it seems like we don't have a whole lot. Does that mean the Israelis don't have a whole lot as well? I think it's important to note that if the Israel does have information, that the information is not 
openly spread because if they know where hostages are located, you know, when the ground operation opens up, they're going to want to try to rescue as many hostages as, as they think that they can. And if the Hamas gets, they're obviously, moder- they're obviously monitoring Israeli media as well. And if uh, they get the indication that uh, Israel knows where some of these hostages are located, they could be moved to other places. And that's the last thing the IDF wants. The Israelis have been calling up these reservists for the last two weeks, more than 300,000. Some of them amassed along the southern border in Gaza. Uh, other of them are up north uh, handling what might happen from Lebanon. When do we have any sense of when or maybe even, I'll ask the question, if this ground war might begin? Right. So obviously over the last two weeks, we've continued to say that this is an impending strike. Uh, all of the troops on, on the ground are, have been instructed that they will be going in. We've heard uh, both Netanyahu and the, the southern district commander of the IDF and the defense minister, Yov Gallant, in the last uh, 24, 36 hours uh, saying that uh, it is time to go in. Uh, we've just from, from my own experience, uh, people that I've spoken to that have children and and fathers and husbands uh, along the Gaza border. Many of them have called up their families uh, yet again uh, to say goodbye, uh, to say, you know, I'm sorry for anything I might have done for you, but uh, done to you in your life, you know, but, and I hope to come back. Uh, so the the soldiers are, are getting ready to go in, and, and the, the sense among various analysts is that it could come as early as tonight or tomorrow morning. But then again, you know, we've been saying that for several days. Uh, tell me what it's like on the streets where you are in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv up in Haifa. Uh, does the day go on as normal as possible or are kids back in school, people back in the workplace? Yeah, in Jerusalem, it's been uh, almost business as usual. We're, we're probably a few minutes now away from uh, the midday uh, mosque, which I'm looking at across the road from, from where I live. And, uh, the sermon is, is likely about to start. And last week it was extremely vitriolic and I'm expecting nothing less, uh, this week. Uh, the police have put, uh, concrete barriers near the entrances of the Jerusalem neighborhoods, ready to seal them off, uh, if, if, uh, violence emerges from those areas. So, the Israelis are so resilient and, and after terror attacks, you know, they clean up the mess so quickly. Was and and Israelis are back to work. Kids are by and large back to school, but there's still an extraordinary tension, not just about uh, attacks that could be in their neighborhood, but also there's 300,000 families that have uh, that have fathers, sons, and brothers that they haven't seen already for for the last two weeks, and uh, that take plays a toll as well. One of those I can count one of those uh, stubborn, angry Israelis as my father, who I tried to convince to stay here with us. He happened to be here for the holidays when everything broke out. But he's on the flight back home today. He says he wants to be back home. So, And I think that's how most Israelis are feeling. There's a tremendous uh, sense of resilience uh, and unity right now, even after months and maybe some years of political divisiveness kind of gripped the country. People now are, are united against this uh, against this enemy, which really seeks Israel's destruction. And they realize that they, they need to come together and, and everybody has to do their part. There's thousands and thousands of volunteers in the country, everybody doing what they can uh, to support the war effort. All right. Well, I hope uh, this weekend is, can be as a quiet one as possible for you, your family and everybody else. And as always, uh, Alex Trayman, CEO, Jerusalem Bureau, Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate. You can check it all out. They're doing a great job covering all this at JNS.org. Alex, uh, thank you, and have a great weekend. Thank you, Noam. 517, let's head over to the 77.
ABC Sports Desk. Uh, happy Friday. Good morning, Justin Ellis. Happy Friday. Good morning to you, Noam Layden. It is indeed Friday. Week 7 in the NFL kicked off between the Jacksonville Jaguars and New Orleans Saints on Thursday Night Football last night. Travis Etienne ran for two touchdowns. Foysade Oluwakin returned an interception for a score. And Christian Kirk's late 44-yard touchdown after a short catch over the middle lifted the Jaguars to the 31-24 to victory. They moved to 5-2 and two on the year, while the Saints dropped to 3-4 three and four overall. Locally this weekend on the Gridiron, the Jets head into their bye week at 3-3, three and three, and your 1-5 and five New York football Giants get set to welcome in the Washington Commanders Sunday afternoon at 1 p.m. The G-Men are currently three-point underdogs there. Some college ball to look forward to tomorrow. A couple of notables here at noon. You've got uh, number seven, Penn State, and number three, Ohio State. Ohio State there, uh, minus uh, five-and-a-half-point favorites there. Rutgers are in Indiana also at noon and 7.30 tomorrow night. You've got number two, Michigan, 24-and-a-half-point favorites at Michigan State. On the ice, the Rangers fell 4-1 to at home to the Nashville Predators. Adam Fox was responsible for the lone goal for New York. While tender Igor Shosturkin endured an off night, getting pulled in the second period after giving up four goals on 18 shots. Jonathan Quick signed to be the backup in the offseason. Stopped all nine shots he faced in his season debut. Tonight, the Islanders and Devils will face off against each other for the first time this season. Puck drop set for 7.30 p.m. in Elmont. Over to the Diamond. And the MLB playoffs for the NLCS continued last night between the Phillies and Diamondbacks with the series now in Arizona. Uh, the road team has still yet to win a game in this series as the D-backs pulled out a 2-1 to walk-off victory in Game 3 to get them back in this series. Now down two games to one, Arizona. We'll see if they can even things up at home in Game 4. Set for an 8.07 p.m. first pitch tonight. Speaking of evening things up, in the ALCS between the Astros and Rangers, Houston wins again on the road, this time by a score of 10-3. to to even up that series at two games apiece, things will remain in Arlington for Game 5 to 9. First pitch scheduled for 5.07 p.m. Noam, that is sports, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 521. Let's go down to Washington, D.C. Will we ever have a new House Speaker? The plan to empower interim Speaker Patrick McHenry, uh, McHenry to take on the Speaker's role until January is hitting a wall. Some Republicans want to push this. We decided that wasn't where we're going to go. I'm still running for Speaker. So Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan, they're telling reporters that he plans to go to the floor for a third time to try and get the votes to win the race. He failed to get 217 votes needed twice this week as several members of his party voted against him. But Jim Jordan not giving up. I plan to go to the floor uh, and get the votes and win this race. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he has the support to do that. I want to go talk with a, a few of my colleagues, particularly I want to talk with the 20 individuals who voted against me so that we can move forward. Yeah, the problem was the number against him increased as the week went on. Uh, the talk of uh, in Congress of keeping Patrick McHenry on as the interim speaker is not sitting well with a fair amount of people in Congress, including Texas Congressman Chip Roy. Never in the history of this institution have we ever appointed a speaker pro tem with the full powers of the speakership without having elected a duly elected speaker. Yes, yeah, so Chip Roy is a strident backer of Jim Jordan. To do that would be playing games with such an important position as third in line to the to the presidency. We should do our job and select a speaker. The Constitution says that. 
So any move to do otherwise is contrary to the Constitution. Yeah, I think the Democrats sort of smiling as they watch this all play out. The Republicans seem to get it together. One of them, uh, Patrick Ryan, the New York congressman. It's a huge disservice to my constituents, to every single American who wants us to actually help relieve the economic pressure they're feeling, who wants us to support our allies in Ukraine and Israel. Meantime, Republican Congressman Nicola Loda, who's from Long Island, says he wants to take a break from voting for speaker. He and two other Long Island congressmen released a joint statement saying they want a speaker that prioritizes 9-11 health funding and flood insurance before they give him a thumbs up. Extreme frustration with how we got here and some of those voices who put us down this path are now trying to have their way. And it's a frustration that continues to reveal itself in conference and which is why a temporary speaker, in my opinion, is the best solution for all of our constituents. Yes, it's not clear what's really going to happen today in D.C. 524. The suspect said to be responsible for the killing of rapper Tupac Shakur is having his arraignment delayed again. Dwayne Davis appeared in a Las Vegas courtroom earlier today after his initial arraignment was rescheduled. However, the lawyer Davis brought to represent him told the judge that he needed two more weeks to decide whether or not he would be his attorney. The 60-year-old is accused of orchestrating the drive-by shooting that killed Tupac and injured record producer Suge Knight. Prosecutors say Davis planned the hit in retaliation for an attack on his nephew a few hours before. Davis will be back in court in two weeks and is expected to plead not guilty. I'm Lisa Taylor. All right, let's bring it back to New York. Uh, so many illegal pot shops all over the city. It's actually hard to find the legal ones. A couple of state lawmakers taking action to try and crack down on the unlicensed marijuana shops on the Lower East Side. Assemblywoman Grace Lee and Senator Brian Kavanaugh sending letters to nearly 40 landlords that they believe have tenants operating illegal pot shops in their building. We are seeing illegal stores blatantly advertising their products. These products are unregulated as well as potentially dangerous and contaminated. And they're being marketed and sold to young children. In my neighborhood, there's endless amounts of illegal shops. It's sort of amazing they're open. But the landlords who knowingly rent space for illegal activity face hefty fines. At least that's what the city had promised. This illegal behavior is being enabled by property owners who are allowing these stores to operate in their properties. WABC News Time 525. Let's go out to Los Angeles. Some of Hollywood's top A-listers offering big bucks now to help end the SAG after actor strike. Stars like George Clooney, Ben Affleck and Scarlett Johansson are proposing to give $150 million to remove the cap of SAG after dues to help fund areas of the union that need help. The changes would mean that the highest earners would contribute significantly more in membership fees. Deadline reports the actors met with union members. Clooney tells Deadline that a lot of the top earners want to be a part of the solution. I'm Brian Shook. The head of the Federal Reserve says inflation's still too high and lower economic growth is probably needed to bring it down. And a few months of good data are only the beginning of what it will take to build confidence that inflation is moving down sustainably toward our goal. That's Jerome Powell says the slowing of prices not enough to determine a trend. He says it's unclear how long these lower readings will persist or whether or where inflation will settle in the coming months. He hinted at a need for the labor market and economic growth to slow to achieve the Fed's goal of achieving 2% inflation. We're not there yet. The record suggests that a sustainable return to our 2% inflation goal is likely to require a period of below-trend growth 
and some further softening in labor market conditions. Yeah, none of it uh, good news. It seems like the interest rates will go up again. That as the opening bell rings this morning after markets closed lower to end trading yesterday. The closing bell, the Dow fell by 250 points. S&P 500 lost 36. NASDAQ dropped 128 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yeah, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Friday, October 20th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Rain. Thunderstorms possible today, the high 66. Saturday, clouds and rain to start the day, but then just a cloud-filled afternoon, the high 64. And then Sunday, more clouds than sun, the high 57. If you are walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 55 cloudy in Pleasantville up in Westchester County. 53 and cloudy in Frenchtown, New Jersey. And it is 59 and partly cloudy here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour out on Long Island, where the alleged Gilgo serial beach murderer Rex Hewerman is still behind bars, might likely will be for the rest of his life. But apparently, he's no longer on suicide watch. He has sheets on his bed. He's also been given shoelaces back for his shoes. Uh, this all according to the head of the jails out on Long Island. There is constant supervision. Hewerman's uh, 60 square foot cell has a bunk a sink, a toilet, and a plastic mirror. He's allowed to read newspapers about his case, books from the jail library, files from his attorney, and watch a TV that's outside his cell. The head of the jail system out on Suffolk County talking to CBS last the night. The correctional officer will change the channel for him. He's not really engaged in watching it unless it's a news program. About himself. About the news. Yeah, so apparently he likes when he's on the news. Uh, he is allowed to get some exercise every day. Apparently there's a basketball court. He can walk around the prison yard, the jail yard. Under observation by correction staff. And so he has the opportunity to shoot basketball hoops if he wanted to. Uh, he can do sprints. He can do pull-ups, dips, push-ups. The only thing he's done is walk, walk around the yard. Yes, so Hewerman, as he sits in that cell, has been visited by a chaplain and one unnamed acquaintance. Uh, No family members have stopped by. He has had visits, uh, many visits from his attorney. He's had about... But not his family. No, no family members. And he answered this question we had last week when Hewerman showed up for a court appearance last week. It looked as though someone had cut his hair. And, well, we got confirmation that someone had. Yes, uh, he did receive a haircut. We were able to find someone uh, that met all of our security measures. Yeah, so my guess is he'll be in a box like that for the rest of his life. Of course, uh, innocent until proven guilty. 534, an 11-year-old boy and his dad speaking out after the driver of an SUV smacked into the kid at a crosswalk. This was in North Bergen, New Jersey. The boy crossing Hudson Avenue on his way to school. This was 8.15 in the morning when a driver ran a stop sign and hit him. Thankfully, 
he hit him so he went to the side of the car and not underneath the wheel. So he's going to be okay. But this dope behind the wheel, I mean, how do you hit a kid and keep driving? I mean, you can't slam and throw enough charges at somebody who does that. So far, they haven't figured out who was behind the wheel of this car. They do have video from doorbell cameras of it. Here's his dad. So the fact that the car never stopped at all really just killed me, burned me, and angered me. And at this point, I would truly want to find who the driver is. Physically, he is doing better. Mentally is what we're scared about. I'm terrified that, and he, he told us, that he didn't feel comfortable walking alone. He was scared. Yeah, who can blame him? Video of the crash shows the boy being thrown to the ground. Uh, he quickly gets back up. He retrieves his phone that was knocked out of his hand. He then uh, goes to the corner where there's a woman with a baby, and you can see that he's an enormous amount of pain. She helps him out. The driver of this Ford Explorer with a New Jersey license plate kept on driving. So now the search is on for him. So far, police have not caught up with him. The moment you hit somebody, and it's a child too, it's a minor, do something and actually get out and make sure that they're okay. I had to tell him, unfortunately, look, you can't, you can't walk this ride anymore because it's unsafe. I mean, we can't have this happen to him again. Yeah, so for the next couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks, his dad said, I'm driving him to school. His uh, father calling on that driver to turn themselves into police. Uh, again, a resident whose camera, doorbell camera was there, got, I mean, really excellent footage. Not clear if you can make out the license plate. Police, when we checked in, not telling us a whole lot about the investigation, whether they're on to, well, it could be a man or a woman who, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's hard to watch. I mean, you, he's going full speed, hits this kid and doesn't stop. What kind of nut does that? Again, I, just a matter of time, thanks to this video, till they catch up to this creep. WABC News Time 538. Uh, this new poll, not good news for Senator Bob Menendez who seems to be in a host of trouble anyway. But uh, 70% of New Jersey voters in this Fairleigh Dickinson poll say that he should step down immediately or at least at the end of his term. Menendez's current term is scheduled to end January of 2025. The FDU poll data shows there isn't a wide margin, by the way, between different political parties. The poll found 80% of Republicans want Menendez out, but 71% of Democrats, Menendez is a Democrat, want him out as well. The uh, the senator who gave up his position as chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee after his arrest last month um, was excused from Manhattan federal court proceedings until Monday because of a state business. But uh, he's still uh, saying that he's done no wrong. So the bottom line is this. The government is engaged in primitive hunting. That's where you continue to hound your prey until it's exhausted and then you kill it. That's not going to work with me. I have nothing to resign because I'm innocent. Thank you very much. Yeah, so he says he's going to stay in office. Still, well, I guess either they drag him out or he wins his case. 540, emergency crews responding to a report of a downed plane in North Salem up in the Hudson Valley last night. So this call goes out for a plane that went down, uh, a police radio buzzing with um, reports that a plane had gone down and told to look for this plane that had gone down. Here's what it sounded like. The phone with Danbury. This is what they advised. They say they got it from the FAA, told them it was a possible notification of a plane going down in Finch Road. They had no planes take off in Danbury Airport. It has not been confirmed. 
Yeah, so we're trying to get our head around the story. Nobody seems to know where this plane story came from, but they had people out searching for it last night. This was about 6 o'clock into the evening. The plane that they were looking for apparently was actually safe in its hangar the whole time at an airport in the Hudson Valley. So now everybody's trying to figure out where this original story came from. So far, they haven't been able to figure it out. 541, let's bring it back here into the city. New York City officials pushing federal legislation that would prevent the Biden administration from housing migrants at national parks. Councilwoman Joanne Areola says some national parks are closed to the public so they can house migrants, including Floyd Bennett Field in Brooklyn. This is something that we should all be united against. We should all recognize that the thought of transforming a place like Yosemite National Park into a sprawling tent city is something that should never stand. Congresswoman Nicole Malviotakis proposing legislation that would prohibit federal funds from being used to house migrants on federal land, saying taxpayers preserve these parks for their own use. So the councilwoman Joanne Areola says some national parks are closed to house the migrants. She says that's wrong as well. This is a protection that would not only cover national parks like Yellowstone or the Grand Canyon, but it is one that would cover each and every national park in the country as well. Taxpayers of New York City and the United States of America uh, preserve these lands for their public use, for their recreational activities and enjoyment. That's Congresswoman Maliotakis. Of course, the problem is the city's just run out of room to put all the migrants that continue to come here. 60,000 in the city's care right now, with 4,000 on average, 4,000 more migrants arriving every single week. And some of those migrants who are now going to be pushed out after 60 days. They'll get 60 days of free housing, and then they'll have to try to find their own housing. And some of them have, and um, some of them have moved upstate where maybe there's more jobs or more room. Uh, in Rockland County, they're cracking down on, on property management companies and uh, absentee landlords looking to make money off the migrant crisis in the town of Clarkstown. They're going after those who are illegally renting out houses to multiple families. So you have a couple cases where these single family homes have eight, 10 families living in them. And um, it becomes incredibly dangerous when you see that there's pictures of some of these uh, houses show beds in the attic that are only accessible through a crawl space. And this is what some of these migrants are paying for. So now they're cracking down. They're going on after them. This is the Clarkstown town supervisor in Rockland County. Had there been a fire here, people would have died. There's only one way in and out of that attic. It's um, up a flight of steps and then through a through an opening that shuts a crawl through. So apparently one of these management companies owns a ton of properties across Rockland County. So now they're going to check on them to make sure they're not doing the same thing, trying to you know squeeze all these families into a small house and charge them all. They've denied access in multiple locations. They were non-responsive when violations were issued. And these are houses that have absolutely, we're alleging, have been completely uh, altered, systematically altered. They're in violation of our building and zoning codes. They're not functioning as single-family houses. In many instances, they're functioning as SRO, single-room occupancies. We have a family of four living in a one-bedroom. Yeah, so they're uh, going hard after these uh, landlords, these tenant uh, companies today. That... As everybody's trying to figure out a move, how to slow the mass of migrants coming out of the U.S.-Mexico border 
to their cities. One of them, Chicago, has been overwhelmed just in the same way that New York has. Maybe not as many migrants, but they are being bussed there. So Illinois Congressman Jonathan Jackson calling for a federal investigation into Texas's what he called illegal immigrant busing program. He says it amounts to human smuggling. He's committing the federal offense of alien smuggling, domestic transporting, harboring, conspiracy, aiding and abetting. It may be one way to stop the flow. The Chicago Democrat wants to see the bus drivers arrested as well. He says they're profiting off of what he sees as illegal activity. Texas has shipped 15,000 migrants to Chicago since August. I can't go to a school and pick up my neighbor's child without prior authorization. You can't move children around state lines. Yeah, not sure this move will work, but, uh, you know, like I said, they're trying everything. To stop breaking federal law on harboring, aiding, abetting, and paying bus drivers to bring people here. Congressman Jonathan Jackson out of Illinois. 545 now. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Allen. Thank you, Noam Olayden. Week 7 in the NFL kicked off between the Jacksonville Jaguars and New Orleans Saints. On Thursday night football last night, Travis Etienne ran for two touchdowns and Christian Kirk's late 44-yard touchdown, I should say. Yes, after a short catch over the middle, lifted the Jaguars to the 31-24 victory. They moved to 5-2 and on the year, while the Saints Drop to three and four overall locally this weekend on the gridiron. The Jets head into their bye week at three and three, and your one and five New York Football Giants get set to welcome in the Washington Commanders Sunday afternoon at one p.m. The G-Men are currently three point underdogs. There's a few college games to look forward to tomorrow at noon. You've got number seven Penn State at number three Ohio State. Ohio State they're five and a half point favorites, and Rutgers is in action at noon tomorrow as well. They'll take on Indiana in Indiana and seven thirty p.m. tomorrow night. Number two Michigan in action. Twenty four and a half point favorites at Michigan State on the ice last night. The Rangers fell four to one at home to the Nashville Predators. Adam Fox was responsible for the lone goal for New York, while tender Igor Shesterkin endured an off night, getting pulled in the second period after giving up four goals on eighteen shots. Jonathan Quick signed to be the backup in the off season, stopped all nine shots he faced in his season debut. Tonight, the Islanders and Devils will face off against each other for the first time this season. Puck drop set for 7.30 p.m. in Elmont. And over to the Diamond and the MLB playoffs for the NLCS continued last night between the Phillies and Diamondbacks with the series now in Arizona. The road team uh, has still yet to win a game in this series as the D-backs pulled out a 2-1 walk-off victory in Game 3 to get them back in the series. Now down two games till one. Arizona will see if they can even things up at home in Game 4, set for a NATO 7 p.m. first pitch tonight. As for the ALCS between the Astros and Rangers, Houston wins again on the road, this time by score of 10-3 to to even up the series at two games apiece. Things will remain in Arlington for Game 5 tonight. First pitch scheduled for 5.07 p.m. there. That's Sports Gnome, and I'm Justin Ellick. Okay, let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. President Biden last night, speech from the Oval Office appealing to Americans for support in the wars in Israel and Ukraine. So I caution the government of Israel not to be blinded by rage. And here in America, let us not forget who we are. We reject all forms, all forms of hate. During this rare primetime address of the nation, the president arguing support for the two nations, key to national security, as he prepares to ask Congress for a lot of aid. You know, history has taught us that when terrorists don't pay a price for their terror, when dictators don't pay a price for their aggression, they cause more chaos and death. And more destruction. When it comes to the Middle East, the president last night saying he's not giving up on the idea of a two-state solution there. As I said in Israel, as hard as it is, we cannot give up on peace. We cannot give up on a two-state solution. 
the Israelis uh, saying there's now they think the number of people being held captive is around 200. Some of them Americans. The president last night saying his top priority is trying to get those captured Americans back home. As I told the families of Americans being held captive by Hamas, we're pursuing every avenue to bring their loved ones home. As president, there is no higher priority for me than the safety of Americans held hostage. And the president last night says the moves that Congress makes in the coming weeks or months with aid to Ukraine and Israel could make a difference for decades to come. We're facing an inflection point in history. One of those moments where the decisions we make today are going to determine the future for decades to come. And we continue to hear from some of the hostage families, some of the American hostage families who are being held by Gaza in, are being held by Hamas rather in Gaza. One of them is 19 year old Itai Hen, who's believed to be a one of the number of dual American Israeli citizens held. Uh, Hen, uh, was likely taken hostage as he was guarding an army post on the day two weeks ago that a Hamas terrorist crossed the border. His father, Ruby, who's from Brooklyn, is in Israel, hoping for news that his 19-year-old basketball-loving son is still alive and will be rescued. Ty is a kid that has always been giving and giving and giving to the community. He is a very avid NBA basketball fan, like his dad, suffering New York Knicks fan. Ruby met this week with President Biden while he was in Tel Aviv with Governor Hochul while she was there as well, hoping pressure from them and the world will be enough to bring his son back home. That is a massive rally took place at Times Square last night. People calling for the release of the hostages as well. Suffering unimaginable agony every moment. And we are here to demand the release of those hostages, as well as to stand for Israel's inalienable right to defend itself decisively. Senator Schumer, one of the keynote speakers last night. In every generation, they have risen to afflict us. And the evil, vicious, vile Hamas has done it now. But we know, in every generation, we fight back until we win. So that going on, as the State Department yesterday warning Americans abroad to exercise increased caution as the world sort of feels like it's on fire. Due to increased tensions in various locations around the world. That spokesman Matt Miller says the advisory issued cites the potential for terrorist attacks, demonstrations, or violent actions against U.S. citizens all over the world. The Department of State advises U.S. citizens overseas to uh, exercise increased caution. The potential for terrorist attacks, demonstrations, or violent actions against U.S. citizens and interests. Yeah, and he also said yesterday the number of Americans killed in the conflict between Israel and Hamas continues to go up. 32 uh, are deceased. 11 remain unaccounted for. That work is ongoing. It's something we've spent a lot of time. And then Palestinians in Gaza waiting for the aid convoys to start entering the country from Egypt. In Tel Aviv, Sarah Coates says... At the present, the entry point from Egypt remains closed, so most of that aid is not getting through. The official line from Egyptian authorities is maintenance work. It says it needs to fix the road, part of this road that forms the Rafah crossing, due to these continued Israeli airstrikes. Yeah, so this may have changed in the last couple of hours. Uh, we couldn't get any confirmation, but an estimated 20 trucks could enter Gaza through the Rafah crossing, which is the Egypt-Gaza crossing. Uh, but conditions have gotten much worse there. So, of course, the safety of those workers being what they're most worried about before that aid goes there in. There are hundreds upon hundreds of trucks lined up on the Egyptian side of the border, simply waiting to get in. 
fuel has now completely run dry and this is causing major headaches, major problems, uh, really compounding the misery of these people in the Strip. Of course, keep it here, 77 WABC for the latest all the mess going on in the Middle East, and including the fact that there might be a ground war starting sometime soon. Of course, you'll hear about it right here on WABC. Let's bring it back home. The man wanted in the violent shove of a woman into a subway in custody. This is the guy who shoved a woman into a train that was rolling out of a midtown station. She hit the train, then the tracks, in critical condition. Cops doing a great job of catching up with him. He's 39-year-old Sabir Jones, was picked up uh, as he was panhandling at Newark Penn Station in New Jersey. It's terrible. I mean, I would stand back here, too, while I'm waiting for the train. I keep no headphones in my ear and my back against the wall. Yeah, those are some of the riders who say they don't go anywhere near the where the edge of the platform they stay away from it especially after hearing horrible stories like this one that is the mta says it's working with the nypd to combat transit hate crimes that have been fueled apparently by the ongoing uh, war between hamas and israel mta chair general lieber says the nypd increasing deployment due to those concerns the nypd has put all of their officers who normally work in desk jobs into uniform and they're deploying them into the streets, including into the subways, to make sure that we're on top of that. Some of this uh, reaction to a man who allegedly punched a woman aboard a 7 train over the weekend, telling her he did so because she was Jewish. A New York subway system is an experiment in tolerance and diversity every morning, even if we're just playing with our phones. So the ultimate no-no for us is to make it a place of bigotry and hate. We're not going to put up with it. Let's go out to Long Island. Suffolk County police say there's a man burglarizing, assaulting elderly women in Mastic Beach. Well, the perpetrator was not armed. Uh, in these incidents. The male then fled the residence without taking any proceeds. So one of the incidents, a man broke into a home through an unlocked window, four in the morning, assaulted, attacked a 78-year-old woman. Then a man with the same description broke a window, got into the home of a 75-year-old woman. This was one in the morning. The victims were both alone at the time. Thankfully, they are both okay. And it just seemed to me that uh, this is just a uh, maybe a deranged individual that is, uh, you know, uh, acting out in a violent way. And finally, while we're out on Long Island, a street in Oyster Bay being renamed in honor of Billy Joel yesterday. Audrey Avenue was officially renamed Billy Joel Way, and the Long Island native was you know, pretty excited by that. Who could have predicted this? My mom would have been thrilled. I wish she could see it. While Joel grew up in Hicksville, and his home is in a nearby uh, Center Island, is on the market, he said it'll always be and have a soft spot for Oyster Bay. Joel currently, by the way, lives in Florida.